I have always been told to listen to my elders. So I want to take that advice and listen to my elders. Some of them have said that I should allow something to happen. So we're going to allow something to happen. I'm going to give Isabel two to three minutes to preach for you guys today. So I'm going to set a timer here. Hey, Siri, set timer. Three minutes. All right, so we're going to pray for it. We're going to pray for you, okay? Uh, dear God, we come before you. We thank you for the time that you've given us. We thank you for your gifts and the gift of the Spirit and the power that comes through it. So we ask today that you give Isabel words to speak to your children, <laughs> to her, and fill her with your spirit, that she may speak a word to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Morning. disciples. Greg. Jesus told everyone to stand up. You stand up quickly, but God, go to your room and thank your actions, your words, responsible for all you do for us. You Jesus knows we will do it. Jesus is only He loves us our hearts. Is the only we pray Him, tears on the ground, and our parents and grandmothers. And the thing about you, we we'll praise you. And then think of all your love. This is the honor of faith. Amen. Amen. You done? Yep. All right. <laughs> you did it. Good job. Now, I could have swore that she looked at me and told me that I need to go to my room and pray that Jesus forgives me. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to cut this timer off to go off. Um, yeah, you know what? Epiphany actually occurred. We started celebrating it last week, and it actually occurred uh, the middle of this week. And Epiphany actually 12 days after Christmas. Um, but to remember Epiphany, we remember the gifts that, got, that were brought to Christ of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But we also remember the gift that God gave us by sending his son into this world the gift of the Spirit, and hopefully the Spirit will guide her to come back to her seat here in just a minute. So let us pray. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you for the time that you've given us together, and just ask that you be with each and every one of us. Father, during this time, empty me, fill me with your Spirit, that I may speak words that are pleasing to you and beneficial to your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's passage of Scripture will be coming from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. The Word of God says that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. And there it is. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John replaced, placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Father, again, I just ask that you empty me during this time. Fill me with your spirit that the words that we speak will be pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Isabel, the spirit. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to go with y'all. Y'all tell me she's doing fine. She's doing fine. All right. Well, then. So what's happening uh, in this part of the scripture is the church has just begun experiencing the great per, uh, per- persecution. Saul has not become Paul yet. He has not had the Damascus Road experience. He is one of the leading persecutors in the church at the time. Not the only, though, when we speak of the persecution started, we sometimes put the emphasis on him as if he solely uh, took part and took control of everything, but it's not true. But that's the time that we're talking about right now. So what's happened is the Christians in Jerusalem have spread out because of the persecution. And the word of God is being spread to other nations because of that. And that's a sign to us of how God works in bad things that we think, or things that we think are bad for the good. Because it had it not been for a persecution that separated the Christians, then the word would not have spread as quickly, I believe. It's kind of hard for something to happen if an action isn't put into motion to make something happen. But word came to the apostles who were still in Jerusalem that something wonderful was happening in Samaria, that that the people there were hearing the word of God and they were believing on the name of Christ for salvation and they were being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they were excited about what they were hearing, but yet there was something that was absent from that experience. They knew that the people were hearing the word and that they were receiving the word. But they weren't receiving what we refer to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a term that is most often heard of in the Pentecostal church. The Methodist church doesn't use that term very often. I don't know why. But it is written in Scripture in those terms, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, the new converts were not experiencing that. And that is a vital part of our conversion. See, Scripture tells us that Jesus said that, or that John the Baptist said that, that I baptize you with water, but there's one who is coming who is going to baptize you with fire. And what he was talking about was the Holy Spirit, that, that there was something that was going to happen in our lives as Christians that was going to change the way we look at life, to change the way that we think about life and our relationship with God, that it was going to be an empowering experience that life would never be the same once we encounter that. But they weren't experiencing it. They, again, like I've said, agreed that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that they believed him to be the source of our salvation. And you know what? And I think that that's way, the way it is with many of us, that, that we know that God has done something in our life, that through grace he offered us a gift that nobody else could. But what makes that experience different than any other religion? You see, anybody can believe on the name of Jesus Christ. We have the 
mental capacity to, to understand a text or to, to understand spoken word and apply it to our lives. But having mental knowledge of something is completely different than having a spiritual experience. You see, much like many of the theologians, I think that the people in Samaria really and truly believed on the name of Jesus Christ. That They heard something or they saw something that, that convinced them that, that Jesus is who he said that he was when he was walking on this earth. And they believed that, that on that Easter morning that he rose from the grave and ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father. I think that, that something happened within them, but something was still absent, and it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is we expect it to happen as soon as we experience conversion or as soon as we experience the the powerful grace of God that, that saves us. But sometimes in reality, it takes a little bit longer because we have to understand baptism a little different when we're talking about a spiritual baptism. In the physical realm, when we talk about baptism or the baptism of water, what we're talking about is, in part is a public declaration of our faith. We come forward before the congregation of God and say that I am a true believer. I have experienced the saving grace of God, and I want to commit to the church and to the community my relationship to God and to them. And we put them in water. Sometimes we sprinkle. Sometimes we, we immerse. And, and what that symbolizes is, is when we go under the water, it symbolizes the death and burial of Christ. In this, in this point, it's symbolizing the death of the old person. And when we raise them up out of the water, we're symbolizing the rebirth of the new person or the resurrection of Christ. That's why a lot of people say that during, this, during the baptismal ceremonies that you are buried with Christ in baptism or rise and walk in the newness of life. That is a spiritual connection between man and God. And when the scriptures talk about the, the spirit leading all of us to that point, what it's talking about is, is how the spirit, the one spirit, the Holy Spirit works to bring a community of people together under God. And it is only by that spirit that we can come to God. Scripture is clear that, that no one can come to the Father except led by the spirit. We can't make that choice on our own. We are a chosen people. God looked down and said, Tommy, I am calling you because I love you. I'm calling you because I have a purpose for you. I have a calling on you and I want you to fulfill it. Will you come to me? It is a choice. God calls. We respond. We believe in free will. But we want something to happen after that, and that is how we experience God. And you know what? If you're in the Pentecostal church, if you've ever been in the Pentecostal church, I have. What you're going to expect is something that's not comfortable. I am not comfortable with people running up and down aisles, screaming and hollering and yelling. That's just not my way of worship. If that's how they want to worship, I am perfectly fine with that. It is a free country. I fight for your rights to do that. But that is not the only way that we experience the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it to you like this. After you came to Christ, did something happen in your life at some point in time? Not necessarily the moment right after, maybe two weeks after that or three weeks after that, or sometimes maybe several years 
down the road in your life where you knew that there was a specific calling on your life. When you knew that there was a, a specific direction that you were supposed to go in order to fulfill God's will in your life. And if you have, then what that is referring to, or what I am referring to, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what I mean is this. The Holy Spirit has come into our life to empower us to move and accomplish things, whatever that may be that God puts before us. It is not of our own will. It is not of our own desire. It is God pushing forward in our hearts and in our minds to create in us the person that he would have us to be and to have us to go down the path that he has put before us. It is the guidance of something greater than our own ability and our own personalities. It is the gift of the power of God working in our lives. And the only way to experience that is to come to the knowledge that Christ Jesus is our Lord and Savior and has died on the cross that we may live. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something that we just experience once in our life. Many people will, will experience it many times because what we're talking about is, is the action of God within our hearts and minds to, to move us into a direction to His calling. And sometimes callings in life change. And when they change, what we do is we recommit to God or we ask God to, to refresh us, to, to help us find a new purpose or a new meaning, to help us find a, a, a different way to live. In essence, what we're asking God to do is this. Father, take the old life and immerse it into the tomb to be crucified with Christ. And help me to, to rise and walk in the newness of life once again. Because if we don't, then we get bogged down and trying to do what can't be done. But when the Holy Spirit falls upon a person and upon their heart, it will change the way they view life. And it will. Sometimes it takes, if you're like me, someone beating it into you. Oh my goodness, all the times in my life when I have been told what I shouldn't do or what I should have done, and I didn't listen. And I look back on those times and think how much further in life I could have been had I only listened to what my father or my mother or someone else had been telling me when they were giving me good knowledge. But see, what I'm happy about is this, is that, that even though I didn't listen to those people, that even though I wanted to, to go ahead and do things my own way or, or experience my own way of life, that God didn't give up on me. And my choices didn't stop God from doing what He planned to do anyways. And I think that's when we hear the words victory in Jesus, that, that's what I think of, is that, that all the time that I think was put behind me all the time that I think was lost or, or all the things that I think that I should have and could have done God hasn't taken away the opportunity 
I may have postponed it, but, but God still has that thing in life for me to do and for me to accomplish. And when I hear God's Spirit move, oftentimes, He's asking me to put away something old so that I can experience something new. Talking with Susan this week, not about her, about me, about experiences. We have some really good conversations in there, I'm going to tell you. And I don't even remember how this topic came up. Yeah, I do. Cowboys. Jane Seaman from the office, district office, called up, and she said her husband met me at the Christmas party. I didn't realize that I had met him. And she was saying that um, her husband told her that he thinks that I should be a cowboy. But she specified, not the dirty cowboy that works the field, but the sophisticated, clean-cut cowboy. And I was like, all right. But what that is, that, is that brought to mind something of my past, a regret, two regrets I have in life. One, I never got on the bull, and I mean, yes, literally, the bull. I had the opportunity growing up when uh, country music was really popular and Garth Brooks was out on the radio and his song out then was called Rodeo. And, and bull riding was the big popular thing. And time after time, I had the opportunity to get on that bull. And I didn't do it. And I had an encounter with a person. He was actually married to one of my relatives. And he was what they would deem as a real cowboy. And I met this real cowboy. And I will be honest with you, I was not impressed with the personality of this real cowboy. But he was a rodeo rider. He rode bulls and put the opportunity for me to get on that bull out there. And I backed down. I said I was going to do it. I waited for the time to do it. But when it came time to get in my truck and drive to North Carolina to get on that bull, I didn't do it. And I'm going to tell you today, that is one regret I have. I didn't get on that bull. The other regret I have is this, hang gliding. I have always admired hang gliding. And I watch these people as they soar through the sky on those uh, plastic sheets, I guess you could call them, with a frame. And just the, the, the views that they get, and I admire that. And I got in my truck one day, and I drove up to, I think it was Tennessee, up to where Anna Ruby Falls is at, and I was going to go hang gliding that day. And I stood there, and I watched as they jump off the, the ledge, and they would sink down a little bit, but then they would come right back up. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And I got closer in line to go in and say, hey, I want to do this. And I saw another person jump off. And here's what they did. The cliff was here. They jumped off, and instead of going down and up, they did a nosedive straight into the ground. And when that happened, my heart sunk. I froze right there in my tracks. Now, while I'm holding my breath, all of a sudden, this glider comes straight back up into the air. But that put so much fear in me that I didn't do what I set out to do. I didn't hang glide. Two regrets I have in life, I promise you, I didn't get on the bull, and I didn't go hang gliding, and I cannot go back in time and relive those opportunities. Those opportunities will probably be available to me now, but with my age and my health conditions, it's probably not the smart thing to do. So sometimes, even though the opportunity is there, you have to grab the opportunity while it is there. Because not all opportunities are always going to be available. So when they're there, you grab hold of them. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That sometimes in life, we want to take that step forward. We want to experience this new thing, but we are scared. We are terrified to take 
that leap of faith because we are scared that we are going to be unlike the hang glider who recovered. We're scared that we're going to crash and burn. And that is not how God wants us to work. When God moves us forward and says that there is a plan, there is a purpose, there is a reason, and the Holy Spirit is moving in us, that, my friends, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is when the Holy Spirit moves in our heart, in our lives, to push us into areas that we would never go into, that we would not take the opportunity, that logic says it's not going to happen. But we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who spoke into existence the entire universe. And if he can speak into existence everything that is known to man, then we can trust him as we move forward in the plans that he has for us. We are not a people of fear. Yes, we use wisdom. Yes, we use caution. But when God says move, we move. And it takes the Holy Spirit to move us in that direction. So when we talk about baptism, we're talking about sometimes letting go of what was and moving forward into what is. Because there is a grand future for each and every one of us out there. There are grand experiences that God wants us to have individually and as a community. But if we don't hear the Holy Spirit, then we don't act. Kind of counters what I was just talking about, doesn't it? We wait for the Spirit. You see, the best laid plans can fall apart if we act too soon. And I think Jesus shows us that before he ascended into heaven. Acts 1, 3, and 5. He says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, meaning the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, you can't wait. I can't wait for Christmas Day. I can't wait to put the plan in motion. I can't wait to, to get the new car or experience the, the new people in my life. I want it right here, right now. And so many times in life, God says, wait. But there's a reason for that wait. And that wait is because God wants us to be successful in all of our ventures. Waiting builds patience. And if we can't be a patient person, then we can't be trusted with the people that God gives us responsibility over because they require understanding and love and mercy. And that requires patience. Patience, believe it or not, builds strong foundations for relationships. Because while we wait as a people for God to act, we determine how we act as a people. 
we can act patiently with one another, understanding with love and mercy, or we can tear at each other because we're in such a hurry to get somewhere that somehow we think that if we move people or things out of our way, that God is going to act sooner. But when that moment comes, when God fulfills his promise, the waiting is over. And satisfaction is experienced. Sometimes when we talk to people, especially our kids, about their futures, we expect them to have an answer today for something that they're going to do a year from now. And you know what? Maybe God just hadn't revealed to them just yet what they're going to be doing a year from now. And when we look to our futures, this is what we've learned or I hope we've learned over the past six months. That going through the wilderness is not fun. If you go into the wilderness with with expectation, and that expectation isn't met because you're in the wilderness. And then our patience is put to the test. And our faith is put to the test. But I hope that we've learned that in the wilderness, we find peace depending upon God and that no matter what our circumstances are we can be just as happy without even if we had because our happiness does not depend on material items or outward circumstances our happiness excuse me Our joy comes from our dependence and our love from God. But that day's coming. And it's coming soon. When God is going to do a work and breathe into the hearts and minds of his people a new hope a new dream, and a new vision. And he will send his spirit to not just rest upon, but to empower every person that he calls to live that life of abundance.
didn't just let Isabel speak today because Marshall asked me to. <laughs> Matter of fact, she didn't just ask me to, she told me. <laughs> and Janice did also. She said, you need to let her do it because you never know she might have a word. So maybe I need to go to my room and think about what I've got and be grateful for it. But yesterday, after doing some yard work, I wasn't quite finished in my heart. So I went out here to the concrete path that runs between the roads and started walking and walked all the way out to the cemetery. And I stood there and I looked at all those tombstones. Of the people who have gone before us in this community. Who started with nothing but a dream. But were empowered by God to build and maintain a community of hope. Of passion. And love. With family centered on God. So as I walked back, I started texting the folks at my old church in Lincolnton. I said, y'all be in prayer for Isabel because she's going to preach. Two to three minutes, but she's going to preach tomorrow. She wasn't coached. She wasn't told what to say or how to say it. She spoke what God put on her heart. And if that little girl can have the audacity to step forward in faith and do what God calls her to do when empowered by the Spirit, so can we. That's our victory in Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we close the service today and thank you for the time that you've given us. And Father, we know that your spirit is coming upon us to, to, to refresh us, to, to bring a new hope and passion and life. And Father, as we wait patiently, prepare us for that day. Reveal to us your plan, your vision, and then empower us, Father God, to, to fulfill the life that you have for us, that your name may be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.